Is the video game industry bigger than movies and TV? We answer that question and more this week on Only Stupid Answers. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Only Stupid Answers. This is the show where we answer your questions about movies, TV shows, comic books, and video games. That's why we're talking about video games today. I'm your host, DJ Wooldridge. With me, as always, is Roxy Stryer. Hi, Roxy. Hi, DJ. And we have a very special guest, Emma. Tell the kids who you are. Hi, it's me, Emma Fife. I am a broadcaster uh, and a senior video producer over at Fandom slash GameSpot slash Giant Bomb slash all the various enterprises that Fandom now owns um mm-hmm. yes and my uh, specialty is in gaming i do a lot of projects for our advertising partners who all want to get in the gaming space because mm-hmm. that's that's where it is that's where it's at y'all yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's where it's at so you're the perfect guest to have today because uh, as people know we've been kind of like switching up our coverage during the writers and actors strike and i and i've been seeing some discussion about um where video games fit into the media landscape and i thought this would be a perfect excuse to bring emma back love having her on the show um to talk about this but before we do that a little bit business up top of course if you want to check out our show osq a or the show i do with sal called spider versity you can do that over at patreon.com slash only stupid answers if you listen to this on itunes please please give us a five star review and if you listen on uh, Spotify, every week we ask you a question. Last week, um, we had uh, Roxy's friend Zia Anderson on the show to talk about OnlyFans. And as Roxy can imagine, I was it put me in a little bit of a pickle of what question do I ask on the episode that can give me responses that I can say on the show? And so here's what I did. I did a poll. And the poll was, is the internet too horny or not horny enough? <laughs> Those were the two, those were the two, how do we think we did on the poll? What do you think the the voters? I think the people think the internet's too horny. Too horny. What about you, Emma? Do you think oh, the people not think? not horny enough. Come on, man. Like, that's how, I, listen, we want to get into some horny stuff. Baldur's Gate 3, mm-hmm. thank you for being as horny as the people who actually play Dungeons and Dragons. So I'm going to say not horny enough. Not horny enough. So the 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 two valid responses i the our voters said by 80 percent too horny <laughs> and 20 percent not horny enough and i think i think i see i think like it depends on the situation sometimes too horny in sure. some ways you know a lot of times not horny enough i feel like we could do with a little bit more i think we're scared of the horniness and we need to embrace it again you know what i'm saying i don't think any of the content is too horny Right. Okay. The people are too outwardly horny. Like I wore a shirt the other day for uh, a video that is like a shirt that after I wore it, I went to my grandparents in. Right. Mm -hmm. Because that was a shirt that I own that I wear. Yeah. And when I tell you that when I read the comments, I was like, what's wrong with you guys? Mm -hmm. Like there's something seriously wrong with the internet sometimes because it's like, are you sitting there and you're just so frustratedly horny? And I get it. I'm single and it's fucking very challenging to be a horny person at home alone. And then you're like looking at people, whatever, but like the, the need to, to vocalize how horny you are via uh, comment. It's wild. Like, just yeah this presents an interesting paradox because i'm i totally agree with what you're saying roxy with the way that people openly express their horniness on the internet towards real people (laughs) yeah so but at the same time it's like there's nothing wrong with being horny. No, so. there's nothing wrong with being right. horny. And I think that we as a society, I mean, especially in the in the States, because we were literally like founded by Puritans. There's a lot of like bullshit puritanical stuff that still persists. And I and weirdly, as in contrast to the like 
people with this repressed horniness and and saying these absolutely wild things to strangers who are real people on the internet i do think as a whole we haven't gotten a, far enough away from these sort of puritanical values and especially i think when it comes to women uh and i might have just been doing a ton of research on this uh for a video that i'm working on right now but but that like it's still seen as sort of taboo, particularly for women to like engage positively with your sexuality. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I think I, I think I'm on the same page with you, Emma. I don't think they're necessarily mutually exclusive. Yeah. I, I think I could make an argument that maybe the weird comments are because these people are not able to express their horniness in in healthy right. ways or don't feel like they can. Sure. So maybe if we had more avenues. We're just gonna have to do a whole work study yeah. on it, everybody. We'll get <laughs> yeah. back to you and uh, we'll in our horniness study and see. But you know, uh, be horny in a nice way. That's all. Yeah. I, it's uh, keep it vague. Mike Choi says um, too horny. I think it's reported the other day that people spent five point six billion on OnlyFans last year. Hey, listen, Good if that's going them. to the people on OnlyFans, great. Go I for think it. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I think the platform is for yeah, and those are people who are not hurting anybody. Yeah, totally. Think, like horniness should be still the same consensual like you have to have consensual comments you can't just be like this is what i'm gonna do to you yeah on somebody's Instagram. video yeah. of them like talking about a movie or something it's just mm -hmm. not the way that it goes i mean it is the way that it goes it shouldn't be the way that i it think goes. what we're, we're all saying is that if prostitution were legal comments would be less weird i think that's a, that's exactly yes. what we're saying yes. well and that's and that is where you find the strength of platforms like OnlyFans because it is a very sort of controlled sex work environment. I mean, it's it's adjacent to it, and yeah, I'm I'm completely in agreement. I mean, especially it's like <laughs> playing uh, Final Fantasy 16 as I have been. Uh, you know, the the towns they've all got houses of ill repute uh mm -hmm. so to speak and uh in one of them the woman who runs that house is the most respected member of her community and it is a uh safe space for uh these people to do some honest work it's the oldest profession and mm -hmm. i think that we need to accept that sex work is real work and it should be legal and regulated there we go Could, <laughs> yeah. couldn't say it better yeah. myself yeah. Yeah. So moving on to news uh, before we get into the video game stuff, um, it has been reported, uh, I think it was by Variety, but where I'm getting my stuff per IGN in this situation, Dune 2 wow. has been delayed from November 3rd, 2023 to March 15th, 2024. Uh, this is also pushed back. Uh, it's taking basically Godzilla x-kong the new empire slot which when i found out that was supposed to come out of march of next year i was like oh, when did that happen um <laughs> uh that seems a lot closer than i imagined uh and it also delayed the lord of the rings the war of the rohirrim animated film from april 12th to december 13th and i'll say just at the top that this bummed me out less that dune 2 is being pushed and more that all the movies we're talking about here are all ips that i think I don't know that we need. Uh, I, I just don't know that we need more of these movies personally. Uh, I, anyway, whatever. Um, meanwhile, in related news, the PTPTP, whatever the fuck it is, continues to try and fail to uh, win in the court of public opinion. Opinion is per the LA Times. Late Tuesday, top studio executives met with the WJ's negotiators to encourage them to accept a deal that would end the 114-day WJ walkout, which was crippled film and television production. But after the WJ leaders refused to bend, the studios made their deal points public, despite the usual practice of honoring a news blackout during negotiations. Um, the decision appeared to aim... Uh, I think they're being... Kind of generous here. I think it was very specifically uh, there to force cracks in the resolve of the Hollywood's labor unions. Um, but one legal expert said the decision by the alliance of the MTPP a little bit uh, to release details of its offer could run afoul of laws governing collective bargaining. A National Labor Relations Board rule forbids management from circumventing union negotiators because both sides have a duty to negotiate in good faith. Um, uh, this is a quote from Andrea Schneider, the director of Kukin Program for Conflict Resolution. 
at the Cordazzo School of Law in New York, uh, they say uh, they are trying to appeal to the union membership directly, which is in violation of the duty to bargain in good faith. This is not going to work. It hasn't worked in labor negotiations for 50 years. Uh, last thing from the LA Times, studio executives privately say the upcoming television season, the film and TV award season, uh, a financial engine for parts of the industry, along with the film festivals and next year's movie slates, are in jeopardy if a deal with the WGA isn't reached by mid-September. Dot, 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 so give the people what they deserve. I, I find these articles to be so infuriating sometimes because... I, and I don't know who wrote this, and I am not specifically talking about this article, but it does feel like these trades are in the studio's pockets so often. And the way that they're saying, like, if the writers don't agree, yeah, then that's going to be a big problem. And it's like, or flip that on its head, if the studios don't give the writers and actors a living wage... Mm -hmm. then there will be no industry moving forward, period, regardless of this award season. Like, yeah. it's just so frustrating to keep hearing these articles say, if the writers don't fold, yeah. and it's like, there is the other option, of yeah. course. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the way that it's being framed, as you say, Roxy, that a lot of the time it's like, oh, if if the writers don't reach an agreement and it's like, well, the, the writers have made it clear what it is that they want. And basically if the studios will just agree to that, because make no mistake, it's the studios uh, who are holding out here. The writers want to work mm -hmm. uh, and the actors want to work. And, and the way that, you know, this is proceeding is basically at, the expense of the uh, this is honestly for the people particularly on the on the sag side of it the people who are working actors they are working actors they are not stars uh mm -hmm. and so basically what this is all about is making sure that like that is still a viable career it used to be that if you just wanted to work it was possible to work uh Becoming a star, becoming a household name, that's an entirely different story and very, very unlikely to happen. But I have plenty of friends and colleagues in L.A. who previously were able to make a living doing SAG background work. Mm -hmm. And it's just not possible anymore as those gigs become too few and far between, uh, you know, the the question of residuals with streaming services and things like that has certainly been at the at the center of this conversation uh but yeah to bring it around to the award season thing one of the you know things that i've been seeing going around too is now studios are are uh saying oh well you know because we can't do any publicity around our films you know that's making movies suffer at the box office and it's like well yeah, maybe. I, I mean, look, box office has been a struggle regardless, mm -hmm. basically, unless you're Barbie, Super Mario Brothers or Oppenheimer. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, and in in that order, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> more or less. But but again, it's like, well, I don't know that not being able to do publicity is the end all be all. But at the same time, it is not a good look for the studios and the studios are never going to win in the court of public opinion against people whose literal job it is to write compelling stories mm -hmm. and the hottest people in the world. Like you're just no. not, you're not going to win. Well, it's also more challenging uh, for them now um, it, when the in the world of social media that we're in, despite the fact that like Rox and I were lamenting this earlier, that X is kind of in a lot of ways kind of useless um, yes. <laughs> compared to Twitter. Um, it, there's still it still provides, which I don't think it's intentional that a billionaire is tanking Twitter oh in the middle of uh, a, a, a like a, a growing uh, labor support, but I don't. I it's like I don't think it's like planned out, but I do think it is it is a good example of like what we're struggling with as a country that one of the few platforms we had that allowed people to um, share information in this way 
is being being intentionally or not tanked by one of the richest people on the planet. Um, um, it, but they're still able to, they still have avenues. Like even just, what was the last um, strike? What was it? Like 14, 12, 14 years ago, something like that? Uh, the, the last writer strike. The last writer strike. Yeah. Even in that amount of time, social media has grown to a place where, you know, it used to be they, and there, there's a really great article about this written by Catherine uh, Trindacosta over at Defector, uh, specifically talking about uh, Deadline, Hollywood Reporter, and I think Variety um, and how they're carrying water for the studios. Um, but um, that used to be the main outlet. Those, those outlets used to be the main outlet of how people mm-hmm. got information on what was going on. And especially now, again, happy accidents for the billionaires, you know, all that stuff's run by the same company. Yeah. Um, but we have to wait. There's a lot what's... of great people there, though, DJ. Like, I yeah. feel bad because I have a lot of friends that are at Deadline Variety and THR that are amazing reporters. Oh, yeah. It's not yeah. about, like, the individuals, but yeah. the the narrative that they are having to push right now is, like, it's alarming the way yeah. that they phrase things. But even with, you know, Twitter now X falling apart, it still has an avenue for for the writer and and if they're trying to break the writers or jam up the writers those writers are still talking to each other on yeah. social media you know what i mean so yeah. it's not it's it just doesn't the system we're we're kind of like i i i don't in general i don't think ceos and the the 1% are smart as uh, they would like to think that we are but also i don't think they understand the landscape that they're dealing it doesn't appear to me that they have a good grasp on the landscape they're interacting in (laughs) yeah oh absolutely because again you know it's the studio heads are like 10 maybe more like 20 years behind where the industry actually is because they just have so much money that they can afford to be that out of touch it just reminds me of the you know lucille bluth uh meme of you know oh what can it cost five dollars or and Mm -hmm. you know she's talking about something that you know the the actual cost of is much lower than five dollars but to Mm -hmm. her five dollars is the equivalent of like a penny um so yeah it's yeah it's really fascinating to just see how out of touch these people are and how, as you say, Roxy, you have a lot of people that are working at these big publications who actually are very in touch, but they're still part of this old school Hollywood machine narrative. I, you know, I have a friend who used to work at THR who was constantly pushing them to cover more gaming because he was like, Hey, this is, this is important. This is the future. This is part of entertainment now. This isn't just a niche. Um, and, and and like getting anybody that's been in media or in in like studio production for a really, really long time to understand the sort of TikTok generation of now is challenging. And that I think is also some of where the problems are coming from in terms of negotiations is that you're, you know, it, the, the people who are at the top can't perceive of how technology is going to influence everything in the entertainment industry going forward, Mm -hmm. including their jobs, including their jobs. There there was an article that came out yesterday. I don't know if you guys saw that was a little confusing to me on how this is going to go. Um, uh, SAG after encourages member from Hollywood Reporter. SAG after encourages members to promote projects with interim agreements at fall film festivals. So we're coming up on festival season, right? Um, and they are encouraging actors to promote their projects if they've been granted interim agreements. They've already spoken about these interim agreements. We know the updates on the interim agreements is that they're moving forward, not using WGA scripts as that's what the Writers Guild has asked for, and also um, Fran has gone on 
all of the shows and spoken to all of the Sarah Silvermans of the world and talked <laughs> about how this is part of their strategy moving forward. And it is a vital part of their strategy. Those are conversations I'm obviously not privy to. I'm going to trust that they know what they're doing. And that's what they're telling us that this is part of their strategy. But I do think this is going to open a door of very confusing things for the general public when now we're about to see major A-list stars promoting their movies for film festivals, but not other people. I can just already sense that this is going to be used against the industry, right? About like fans being like, but look at, look at, uh, for example, Tom Hanks promoting mm -hmm. this thing. It probably isn't him because he doesn't usually do indies, but you guys know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Celebrities talking about this, but then other ones not. It's, I think that the waters are about to get very muddied with this new promotion of films in the fall like mm -hmm. how are they gonna how is the audience how are the general civilians how are people gonna supposed to keep up with all of this and understand what they what is to be talked about what is not to be talked about by who and when yeah well, and especially in the you know post twitter landscape of it all <laughs> you know in internet favor black and white you know what mm -hmm. i mean like it's this is a very nuanced issue Right. Uh, and yeah. most people, because of the way that we consume our news, they will fail to see the nuance because the nuance will not be served to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, <laughs> yeah, it is. And it, it is tricky. And, and it, there's other tricky aspects where if your indie film doesn't have like Paul Rudd in it, it's like, good luck getting that interim agreement. Um, yeah. But uh, but. Uh, I will say, you know, a lot of what the Writers Guild is struggling with appears to be this the, the deal the DGA struck. Um, and so I think uh, uh, I, I, it, uh, I have a lot of appreciation for the WGA holding out because I have a, I have a feeling that they're uh, paving the way for yeah. the, the deal SAG will get. Um, yep. And so the, the, they're, uh, they're doing a lot of hard work over there and hopefully it all works out for the best for <laughs> the workers. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Emma, you brought up um, how video games are kind of like changing the landscape. And I felt like that was a pretty good transition into our main topic for today uh which is that is is how uh games are kind of like because there's been a lot of because of these strikes there's been a lot of talk about the media landscape and of course yes. video games have been a part of that conversation and before we get into any of that we also had some fortuitous timing because this is uh the week of gamescom not GamesCon, as I said when I emailed you about it. GamesCon. I know uh, what you meant. <laughs> I and I appreciate you call? letting me find out on my own time. Uh, <laughs> I thought everybody was doing spelling mistakes online, DJ, because I kept seeing this. What is Com? Communications. What is? Yeah. So, yeah, so I think Emma, that is for what it's. It basically GamesCon is. I mean, we don't have E3 anymore, but in the in the days of yore, uh, when we had yeah. E3, it was a big, you know gaming it was a trade show honestly it was not a convention uh it, yeah. for many many years it was only open to uh games professionals and the media it was not open to the general public uh they changed that towards the end of its life cycle um but i guess you know it, it was the big like u.s 
convention, basically. You know, you had your PAXs and things like that. And yes, they did typically have pretty good attendance there, but PAX you'd often see more from the indie devs. Uh, but E3 was this big show, big booths, all the major players would attend. Uh, and it, it was kind of born out of a feeling that CES, the Consumers Electronics Show, wasn't really necessarily specifically supporting game devs in the best way that they could. So E3 was born to really put the focus on game development. Um, and, and so Gamescom is basically the big European convention. It takes place in Germany and it's going on right now. <laughs> As we speak, uh, that Why leads me Germany? to- Is that a big gaming hub? Um, Not particular. There aren't German game devs. Um, you know, certainly when you think of the European game devs, you think of like Poland as kind of being one of the big ones since they have, you know, CD Projekt Red, uh, mm-hmm. which did the Witcher games, mm-hmm. uh, as well as Cyberpunk 2077, mm-hmm. which people like now. Uh, and it's about to get a big update. Oh, cool. I've been wondering, like, with the <laughs> update, it's like, do I do I try again? Do I? Because I beat it. I played the whole thing. I was just like, I don't need to revisit yeah, it. Um, yeah. I mean, Phantom Liberty is going to be a pretty big expansion to it. It's all like espionage uh, stuff. So well, it should be fun. I do tend to play those games more stealth. This does, oh, but we have a question from the Discord that applies to this. Clementine asks, with E3 dead and gone, does Gamescom feel like it's feeling that hole? I was always aware of Gamescom, but I never got excited for it like E3. This year, though, it felt like a much bigger deal. Is that just because it's no longer in e 3 shadow, or has it grown to fill in that in the new space? Uh, it's a, like, it, there's other conventions you know that are uh coming out that are like summer games fest for example uh which i uh, was able to uh, attend this year which was really great um so yeah it's i i think that in general all of the various shows are kind of getting that are that are not e3 are getting a little bit more attention than they previously did i don't think anything has like really filled E3's shoes yet, so to speak. Is that even possible anymore? Or is it just one of those, know. this is I, not I, what I we do like anymore? It's, it's not. Um, and and part of that is because, and it's and it's, it'll be interesting to see how things like San Diego Comic-Con continue to evolve. But, you know, a lot of the game studios have pivoted to basically doing their own showcases. Um, you mm-hmm. know, obviously Nintendo does their Nintendo Directs periodically, yeah. usually with very little warning um, <laughs> and very early in the morning for us on the uh, West Coast of the United States. Um, and Phil Spencer of Xbox has has literally said that Xbox is going to do more showcases throughout the year as they are continuing to, you know, launch new AAA first party titles and also add more titles to their Games Pass offering. So what is the it, word you just said? AAA what, per, AAA versus- AAA first party titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are like your big hitter games, high quality graphic state-of-the-art gameplay and those are kind of your flagship titles that are meant to draw the most attention this is those are like your mcu films yeah but for games yeah mm-hmm. it's like so, barbie or avengers and avengers but for xbox mm-hmm. well, like the games that i've heard of probably yeah mm-hmm. so like yeah. um yeah, yeah so like the last of us mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there we go. God of War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, good, See? good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and of course, I just named two Sony ones when I was talking about Xbox, but yeah. Yeah. All right, continue. I digress. I want to be more well-versed in this, and then sometimes it's so... Uh, I don't find the gaming community to be gatekeepy at all. They're so... No, like, yeah. Loving, loving, but I, it does have a lot of lingo that I'm like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yes. Mm-hmm. Even E3, what, what is that... Edward the third, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Continue. I'm with you now. The, the big games, the, yes, high the, big, the, the big ends, the, the big, big ends. high profile games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, um, so when it comes to Gamescom 2023, yes. uh, what were the, I, I've been paying attention to a little bit. Um, uh, does Bill Clinton want to play GTA six? Oh does that <laughs> Jeff Keeley, my man, you gotta get some freaking security. Okay. This happened at the Game Awards last year. Yeah. Like, who, how are these people getting in? Please. Wait, just... What happened with Bill Clinton? So basically, uh, there's 
at the Game Awards last year, and then an, another incident happened at Gamescom yeah. of people, some rando in the audience, getting up on stage and just spouting off whatever they wanted in the microphone. Uh, it happened with the uh, at, during game. During the Game Awards, I want to say it was during the Game of the Year uh, acceptance speech for Elden Ring that there was just like some rando that got up because a bunch of people got up on stage to, yeah. you know, accept the award. And so then there was this other guy and they all like gave their speeches and then he just kind of moves on up to the microphone and it gets removed from the stage by security. But my question is, how did he get there in the first place? Yeah. Um. I, listen, man, I, I I could see Bill Clinton getting down with some <laughs> some GTA 6. That's, they that's... they are keeping GTA 6 in the same storage facility they're keeping the aliens. Anyway, right. um um so uh, but I did this does lead to another question. I don't want to get us off topic, but it just makes me think, did people when when did we forget how to uh, operate in public? Is it just the <laughs> pandemic? Is that what happened? The pandemic happened and we just because Roxy and I have talked about this, yes. like when you go to like, not just movies, but like yeah. screenings, like professional screenings, people will be like on their phone and shit. And it's like, what, what happened? We're, yeah. <laughs> we're in public, everybody. It reminds me of the, what you guys are just talking about. Did you guys see the Drew Barrymore, Renee Rapp situation this week? Where I think I heard about it, but I didn't see it. They're sitting down talking um, uh, on stage and somebody from the audience just shouts Drew Barrymore and she in the middle of her performance is like hi and then mm -hmm. he like, rushes the stage um oh. and tries to get on and running rap like grabs her that's the girl from um sex lives of college girls it's yes, also yes, a, yes. A, a singer um that was for dj emma thank you i talk thank about you. all oh, okay yeah, thank you <laughs> i was like yeah yeah i'm with you i got um, you yeah sex lives of college girls i'm there yeah. mm -hmm. so she like rushes drew off of the stage and then drew comes back and they uh later on they ended up finding this guy and he was a full-blown stalker um and had been looking for her in like surrounding areas for days and dangerous stalker yeah. Um, well, and there's also a lot of reports of like people going to concerts and throwing like their cell phones and shit on stage, oh, like yeah. heavy objects and sitting. It's like, you know, I, listen, we're rewriting the social contract, but I feel like, you know, they, certain things were in public, respecting other people's space. I don't know. I feel like we should figure that out. But um, beyond that. Listen, I'm also excited for GTA 6. I'm curious, all right? I haven't been able to get into the G you know, GTA 5 online has, has is well past me at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Emma, some of the what are the big standouts so far and it's still ongoing for Gamescom this year. Mm, in well, your opinion. for me during that opening night presentation, let me tell you, I am so hype on that new Alan Wake 2 trailer uh, where mm -hmm. they show you both how they're incorporating some live action stuff. So for anybody that's not familiar with Alan Wake, uh, it's by a studio called Remedy. Uh, they are a European studio, so it makes sense that they would have a big presentation for this game at Gamescom because, again, they are uh, Europe-based. Yeah. Um, so the first Alan Wake is a like action adventure kind of game where Alan Wake is a writer and he's like investigating the mysterious like disappearance of his wife. They remastered it a, a couple of years ago. It's available on PlayStation and Xbox and all the things. Um, and uh, yeah, so it you know it's it, it's a little weird. It's a lot of like putting putting clues together and stuff. Um, yeah. If Alan Wake One is the is like Twin Peaks then like Alan Wake 2 is looking like Twin Peaks The Return. Um, okay. And so basically like Alan has been like trapped in this dark space uh, for I think supposed to be like 25, 30 years. Um, and uh, he's starting to be able to kind of cross over and reach into the real world via this woman saga. And he's like writing the story as it's happening. It, I um, got a chance to see it demoed uh, at Summer Games Fest. Uh, they were just playing some of Saga's stuff. So there's like, it's puzzle solving, it's survival horror, it's uh, like deduction, not social deduction, but like actual like collect the clues deduction. Uh, mm -hmm. And the the new trailer that they showed off for it, particularly how they are incorporating um, some actual like live action performances 
into the video game. Like there's this clip where like Alan is on a talk show, but he's not, is he really on a talk show? It just, uh, oh my God, this is so my jam. I'm so excited about this game. Uh, it comes out uh, October 26th. So perfect timing, spooky game for Halloween. That sounds um, awesome. It sounds like I want to check out. I haven't checked out the original Alan Wake. I did just play, I just finished Dead Space Remake. That was my first oh, time playing nice. Dead Space. And it was great. I had a blast. It was, you know, I was telling Roxy, I play games to chill out yeah. at the end of the night. Sure. Dead Space wasn't super chill. No, uh, classify Dead Space as chill. Yeah, so, you know, it was a great game. It's just not super chill. Um, uh, where's Alan Wake on the chill meter? Definitely, Is it Definitely no chill. There's no okay, chill. all right, all right. So I may take a break. Because after Dead Space, I was like, this is great. But maybe I'm going to take a slight break from survival horror. To play the Horizon DLC, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, the first one's definitely m more like action adventure. Yeah. But the this next one is there's definitely big survival horror vibes, at least from what I have seen played of it um, gotcha. thus far. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we saw more characters for the new uh, MK1, uh, which is coming up very mm -hmm. soon. That is Mortal Kombat 1. Uh, basically, if you're not familiar with the concept, Mortal Kombat has reset its own timeline a few times. Uh, but this time, we're in, we're in like, Liu Kang is the Thunder God timeline. He's not mm -hmm. a Thunder God, but he, he's like fulfilling the Raiden role. And now Raiden is basically fulfilling the Liu Kang role as Earthrealm's champion. Yeah. Uh, during the Gamescom presentation, uh, we saw that uh, Sindel is going to be a playable character who was my main in Mortal Kombat 3. So I'm very excited about that, uh, as well as uh, the, the character that you play most of the time. Also, yeah. she was already a main character and now she's going to be main character again. Yeah, she's, well, she's gonna be a gonna... playable character. It's the yeah. character. So who you main in a fighting game. So in a fighting game, you have a whole roster of yeah. characters to choose from. Most people have one character that they play as most of the time. Yeah. And that character is their main. I'm pretty basic. I'm Scorpion. When it comes to the Mortal nice. Kombat games, I like Scorpion. Well, don't worry. You will always have Scorpion. I will always so. have Scorpion. Well, yeah, and they, I think that was, I was also big on Ermac, and that that's a yeah. coin toss whether you're going to get Ermac or not. Yeah, they, <laughs> as a kid, and I'm Sonya Blade because that's what we look I mean, I have Sonya vibes, right? Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and Sonya's in MK1, and um, her yeah. her design is based on her classic Mortal Kombat design. It's really awesome. Um, but yeah, so they showed off um some Sindel gameplay as well as, so he's not Shao Kahn because mm -hmm. like he's not a Khan in this universe, but yeah. Sha but but Shao Kahn. Shao Kahn, um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I don't I. DJ, have you played MK1 at all? Have you gotten a chance to MK1? No, I've okay. not. Yeah, I've not. So I, they, they had yeah. it at Summer Games Fest. And yeah. oh my God, the barrier between you and fun with MK1 is zero. There is awesome. no barrier to fun. Like you can just jump into that game and just wail on your friends. And like it is, I am, I don't have the finesse uh, that I used to have with fighting games. Um, I used mm -hmm. to be, I used to play a lot of fighting games. I'm kind of off that train these days, but MK1 damn that makes me want to get back into it and like the amount of over the top violence and gore it's just awesome because yeah. it's so ridiculous that it's cartoonish you know what i mm -hmm. like there's nothing realistic about it whatsoever uh yeah. and it's just an absolute blast i cannot wait for uh mk1 What's uh, the finesse part? Like, why do you need so much finesse for a fighting game? I mean, if you've ever oh. played, like, a real fighting game player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, all, it's all about button inputs and yeah. iframes. And uh, fighting games are highly, highly skilled video games. Yeah, um, I'm more casual. So normally I play the story mode or goof around totally. with friends. Oh my that's God. basically and, it. And everything I've seen out of the story mode in MK1, it looks goofy as hell. And I'm 100% in. Uh, I don't know how excited I am that we're doing another, because we just did the reboot Reboot of the timeline, I know. Yeah, and it's like, this feels a little soon for that. Also, don't know how I feel about Scorpion being... Formerly was a sub the sub zero character is now scorpion. I was like, yes. I don't know how I feel about that. But yeah. as Emma pointed out, I'll always have my scorpion. You so will always, you will always be able to play a scorpion. So yep. like you are covered in that department. Um, but it was really fun when we uh got to try it out at Summer Games Fest because they definitely had it on games journalist mode. Um, which means mm -hmm. that executing a fatality was easy. So it yeah, was, it yeah, was yeah, really yeah. fun. I definitely don't pause and like look up how do i say the okay here's how we do the finale, fa yeah, fatality yeah, all right yeah. here we go yeah, yeah, yeah. um <laughs> uh 
the other thing I've seen a lot of people talking about, Mike Joyce has a question about it. Do you think Starfield will live up to the hype? So for the Roxies of the world, and Emma, correct me if I'm incorrect about this, Starfield is from the same company that did Fallout and, and Skyrim, um, and Skyrim um, but it is an Xbox exclusive. And so I know for me, as much as I like a Bethesda game, it has to be good enough for me to buy a, a whole system I don't own. <laughs> well, you can play it on PC, too. If you're oh, the, so a- that doesn't I have to be good enough for me to buy a whole system I don't yeah, own. Okay, okay. <laughs> so you don't have a gaming PC either. No, no. Um, yeah, so Starfield uh, is, as you say, a new Bethesda title. Um, my understanding about it is Bethesda gonna Bethesda. Um, mm-hmm. And it is, it is, it's very Bethesda. Um, yeah. You know, what does that mean? I uh, hope you like menus um, <laughs> and, uh, and a feeling of aimlessness. Um, Wait, are you not a fan of? Are you not a Fallout fan? Are you not? I, is that the vibe I'm getting? Okay, I don't like open world games as much as most people oh, okay. do. I'm kind of okay. meh about open world games. Like I me, like. Per- Sorry, go. Because for me, like the perfect amount of open world is like Witcher Three, where it's like, okay, yes, this is an open world, but every single side quest that I do, I feel like is really contributing to my understanding of this world and there is a through line and I know where I'm supposed to go to follow that through line. Okay. That makes sense to me. I see the difference. Cause for me, I, I would see Witcher's kind of comparable to a fallout, but I know what you mean in that. And when you're playing a fallout, there's a lot of, and I had to do this a little bit with, I just replayed Witcher. Um, yeah. uh, and there's a lot of like, well, I'm just not going to do that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you just like, I only, I've, I've already put plugged in about 150 hours in this game. I'm just not this mission. I'm just not going to do that. Totally. Uh, and there's more of that in like a fallout world where it's like, nope, I'll just never know what's over there. Sorry, everybody. I'll just everybody. never know what's over there. Exactly. Whereas like Witcher, you're like, okay, I have an idea of like what that might be. And I don't feel that I need that for my yeah. experience this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, look, uh, the the preview that they showed up during the Starfield showcase and and they've showed up, you know, more Starfield as well during uh Gamescom. We are right on the edge of that game being released. Mm-hmm. Uh it comes out uh September 6th. So if you pre-ordered the like deluxe edition, I think you can start playing on the 31st of August. Um mm-hmm. so you will all soon have your hot little hands uh on that game. Uh it's a it's vast. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, oh, there's over a thousand planets you can go to. And I'm like, that is too many planets. But, and and, and how they, many um, of these planets are going to be that different from one another? Are they really yeah. worth going to? So I think for me, it's just, it feels too big for somebody who's like, wants a little bit of direction. <laughs> yeah. And it's also, aren't some of those um, planets algorithmically, excuse me, yeah, algorithmically they're, yeah, generated? They're, uh, yeah. They're like RNG, just like randomly generated. Don't, don't know. Don't know how I feel about that. Don't yeah. know. Don't know. We'll see. But again, it requires the me words, to, They're what's generated. Algorithmically uh, generated. So I think the comparable thing, and I'm, is it no man's sky that would did no like where sky. it's, yeah. Yep. Where it's like the, it comes up. It just, so like, I could run into a planet that you would never run into right. because it's, yeah, it's kind of like it making was, it up as they go. Yeah. The, Cause basically the program, the AI basically like generated a planet for DJ yeah. that and generated a completely different one for me. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know they could do that. Which could be interesting, but I think totally. I'm closer to Emma in the sense that it's like, oh, you know, I like a little bit of structure. I'm here for the story yeah. for the most part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that like Mass Effect strikes a really nice balance so with good. that also. Oh, so good. Oh, <laughs> I, I know. Mass Effect. It's oh, so fantastic. Good. And also so, like, I'm sorry. You guys could be playing two completely different games almost. Like Well, that is the idea games. behind Starfield is that you have a lot of autonomy over how you play the game. Huh. Mm. Cool. And but it can also but the difficulty with that is like and and I know it's not the same, but it was one of my issues with Cyberpunk. That it's like there's so many weapons. I'm like this, and so I'm just going through I know. my my storage and like, well, get rid of this, get rid of it. Like, why are you? I don't need all this. Or you like look at the map and there's yes. so many things on the map. I'm like, what? Yeah, what the fuck do you want me to do? And my understanding is with Starfield, there is a lot of inventory management. Um, yeah, and, and I don't know. mind a little bit because like, you're you, you make a great point. I think, but especially by the time you got to Mass Effect Three. They like really streamlined that shit. Yes. You know, there was a the nice balance between you get options, yep. but not like a hundred of them. You get right. like five options. Yeah, and that's great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you when you like pull up the other planets you can go to in Mass Effect, it's like, 
okay, here's a handful of them. This one has a real side quest. This yeah. one you can basically go to to mine resources, and that's it. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know. <laughs> Um, so uh, one of the reasons we're talking about this now beyond Gamescom is, and I've been seeing as we've been talking a lot about articles when we were talking about, you know, the strikes and everything, um, is how video games fit into this. And when I was looking into it, I found a few different numbers, mm-hmm. um, but according to the motion, motion picture association, um, they did a, uh, uh, kind of like an overview in 2001 mm-hmm. of film industry earnings it, and and I've seen some different interpretations of this, but I also saw a Forbes article that was talking about it. This seems to be including movies. It's not just like movies in theaters and streaming. It's movies, TV shows, you know, entertainment. You sit down and watch. In 2021, earned $320 billion. Um, so this is global theatrical, home and mobile entertainment and pay TV markets. Um and that was more comparable. It was down in 2020, obviously, and it was up again in 2021. This is in comparison to Newzoo. That number is the number of not video game revenue. Yes. That's only video game related film and TV content. No, that, that is not video game related at all. We're talking movies, TV shows, period. Oh, nothing. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you're going to see uh, this is uh, your Avengers, this is you're watching, right, um, right. you know, uh, Better Call Saul, that sort of thing. Things that um, I actually know about now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is this is yeah the Roxy medium. This is in comparison to video games specifically, according to Newzoo in 2021, same year. That was 180 billion and so depending on how you interpret these numbers because i've seen a different thing uh different versions of it uh uh while it feels comparable to video games are comparable to tv uh depending on who's interpreting numbers they're kind of eating movies lunch but it no matter how you look at it it is a growing medium and market uh and of course this also includes a big component of this is mobile games uh which more people are spending more times on time on their phones Mm -hmm. emma what do you because i don't know what i make of this information what do you like the fact that that you know obviously i love video games um but i also love movies um Mm -hmm. and and so um what do you what is the trend you see here what is what does this mean anything to you so i think that you know i was having a conversation earlier this morning about gaming and about the increased levels of accessibility when it comes to gaming. Um, Because a lot of the conversation around this has been, you know, you've always had the ability to play games on a PC, but the console market really opened it up for people to be able to get a thing, plug it into their TV, put in a cartridge and boom, you're playing a game. Um, And, you know, we're starting to see even the need for a console be taken away, you know, with mm-hmm. things like Samsung TV supporting Xbox Game Pass or like NVIDIA GeForce Now is actually a really, really stable cloud streaming service that also is now doing a partnership with Xbox Game Pass. So once again, you're basically like you can you could run, you know, Baldur's Gate 3, which is this massive massive game that literally was destroying friends of mine's pcs who have better gaming pcs than i do um but you're basically running it off of their servers off of a cloud service so you can like play it on your macbook and it runs great um and also again you know you brought up the example of mobile gaming uh with phones and people not even registering the fact that they are gaming because they're like oh i'm just playing this game on my phone but that is still gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, it's something that's really pervasive in entertainment in general. And obviously, you know, you look at a lot of things that, you know, have kind of like tie-ins or crossover from games into entertainment. And we're, we're kind of getting into the golden era now. I think that we were seeing with, uh, you know, things like the MCU that were happening, you know, at this point, 15 years ago that you had people who like came from the comic book world who were comic book fans being the ones who were adapting them. And so now we're seeing people who are gaming fans, like getting into adapting games. And so I think that the, the sort of lines of entertainment are sort of blurred in, in terms of like 
how everything like what constitutes gaming versus film but again ultimately it's like games are more accessible than ever so it's not surprising to me that we would be trending towards gaming being the number one way that people like consume entertainment um roxy for you do you play any mobile games any games on your phone i play one game um and i've played it my whole life and it's solitaire (laughs) yeah every single day um it's the only game i've ever played i love it um i mean it, it was like, part of that standard Microsoft package. You know, you had Solitaire, you had Minesweeper. Uh, yeah. And this was all when Microsoft was being resistant to gaming. And look at them now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Minesweeper, I played back in the day too, but I've stuck with Solitaire. Yeah. DJ, um, I'm confused on your stats still. I'm sorry. Are you saying that? I, I don't understand how it has anything to do with gaming. You're just saying that movies and TV have doubled in their earnings in the last few years? No, I'm saying gaming is is in, depending on how you read the stats is making more money than is movies and TV. Them. Yeah. Oh, so what was the video? What was the gaming stat? And what- so if you go to this this uh, do they do they have? I want to say this was the original. Um, Let me see. Um, so for this news article for <clears throat> for 2021. Um, the global games market was making 180 million on, or excuse me, that's probably not right. 180 billion, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, globally in 2021, okay. compare that to movies and TV combined, which was making 328 billion. I saw a number running around that in 2021, um, movies on their own, but this was just theatrical releases. I think mm-hmm. they said it was making 90 billion, which of course that's not the only way movies make revenue is no. theatrically. Right. So it's not entirely. So so there was articles like games are making twice as much as movies, and it's like that's yeah, I mean, not it's, quite what the numbers no, mean, totally. but yeah, right. Well, and it's like there's used on what you're saying numbers wise. I'm not getting what you're saying that they were that movies and TV 300 billion, gaming 180 billion. Uh huh. And then what, how are you saying that gaming's outpacing movies? What's the next Because step? in that number, that $320 billion includes if you're streaming stuff on Netflix, if you're watching right. movies in theaters, if you're right. doing it's, pay it's TV. Like encompassing the entirety of every other like medium of entertainment and games alone as just gaming as a medium. Like not because like when you're talking about TV, streaming, yeah. uh, movies uh you're lumping yeah yeah exactly yeah. Like all uh, netflix that. cable yep. movie theaters all yep. that under one umbrella 2021 328 billion um and gaming on its own is 180 billion and of course if you break it down depending on how you break it down like like if it, if movies are making if theatrical release movies in 2021 made 90 billion then you know games are making twice as much of right. that um, for gaming, there's a lot under that umbrella too, right? Like it is talking about console gaming, mm-hmm. um, PCs, gaming, mobile, yeah. mobile, right? Like wouldn't that kind of be the uh, tabletop or is it not talking about? I would just think interesting. They, I'm I'm guessing it's not including tabletop gaming. No, it but would all in, be, yeah, console, but, mobile. Yeah, but would include things like MTG Arena, for example, which is Magic the Gathering's like, you know, mobile on. Yeah, so mobile gaming is yeah. uh, normal gaming, according to this this graph I've got in front of me, mobile gaming is uh, uh, 93 billion on its mm-hmm. own. Uh, we got, and this includes so tablet mobile games. Mobile gaming on its own is theatrical release? Yes. yes. Um, uh, PC is 36 billion, um, consoles, 50 billion. Yeah. Um, and it's just, but in the other thing that I think is worth considering here is that, especially when you're talking, never mind, I'm, I'm undermining my own point because, uh, console gaming was only 50 billion, but it's like console games cost more. You're, you yeah. know, you're putting down, especially now you could be putting down like 70 bucks, 70, yeah. uh, game. Because everybody I know, even me who I'm not a gamer, um, everybody I know has a mobile game that they play. Yeah, mm-hmm. something that they do right, like yeah, when they get somewhere early and they're on their phone, or when they, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or before they go to bed, or whatever. Um, I think one of my issues, and this might just be because I'm an old man at heart, um, I don't love how much money. Maybe I should because mm-hmm. of accessibility, but like for me, when I sit down and play a game, normally it's to experience 
a narrative, right? Yeah. That's part of the appeal to yeah. me. You're a millennial. Um, that's that's in line with your generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I don't, and maybe it's because my resentment of like, I can't go to a movie theater all without somebody in front of me flashing their phone in my mm-hmm. face. I don't, I don't love this trend of, um, I feel like, you know, we talk about bubbles and stuff like that. People are becoming increasingly more insulated from the world around yes. them. And I don't, and now that I say it out loud, I sound like the people complaining about TV in like the <laughs> 60s and 70s or 80s. Right, you know what right. I mean? Like, yeah. I don't like the people. But again, like, I just, I don't, I feel like we're continuing to become more insulated from interacting with other people. Like, I think about the communal experience of the theater. Yes. Like, uh, that bums me out on some level. But it is a double-edged sword because, you know, I think about this a lot and how we are so fortunate to live where we do, where we have the opportunity to seek out these communities IRL because they exist. We live in a large, Mm -hmm. diverse city um, and LA in general is a very nerdy city. Um, You know, it's like, I, I feel like I've met the people I relate to the most in my entire life, uh, you know, living out here and, and playing tabletop games and, you know, just geeking out about TV shows or whatever the case may be. If you are somebody that is in a part of the world that already is more isolated from the outside society, then gaming often does allow you a chance to, you know, connect with people, you know, it, you know, just taking it back to the X of it all. I, I mm-hmm. barely use it anymore. Um, and I've had conversations with people IRL and on the internet and that are saying like, I am going to hang on till the bitter end because that is where I have some of my best, like, but where I found some of the best communities that I'm part of is on Twitter. Yeah. Um, so again, it's it's complicated because like, look, I'm, I am, I love in person events. Like all these people that are like, nah, don't like San Diego Comic Con, and want these conventions to come back. I'm like, cool, I'll go because mm-hmm. I I like it. I like being around people. Um, and I and I do like the, you know, communal experience of going to the movie theater. You know, Oppenheimer's reaching the end of its 70 millimeter IMAX run. Uh, the um, IMAX on CityWalk, which is a real IMAX theater. So that is no. the way to see the film as Christopher Nolan intended. Uh, and so I went and saw it last night. And, you know, it's the joy of everybody clapping for Nicole Kidman when she arrives on your screen at an AMC. Um, and so it is. It's like, how do we, how do we like branch that need to be able to connect beyond our personal like circle with people who are far away but also not totally isolate ourselves and become complete indoor kids it's complicated yeah the the point of connection most um with video games that you can literally play people from all around the world or is it that you have something to talk about with people play uh, it's all of it it's all of it. It's you can yeah. play with people all around the world. You can play against people all around the world. You know, I I know a lot of people who have really amazing communities in like Final Fantasy fourteen, which is a massively multiplayer online RPG. Um, and yeah, so it, and, and you know, I look at like my brother, for example. He's a big uh, Dota player, and his he and his buds have been playing Dota for forever. And it's like, it doesn't matter where in the world they live, you know, they can all hop on a discord call and, and play Dota and What's they feel the connected to one another. Dota? Dota. Dota, Dota, defense of the ancients. <laughs> D-O-T-A. Uh, so, so defense. movies and TV are dying. Video games are thriving. Yeah. Emma, how do we get Roxy into video games? What are, what is the gateway drug? I think it, this conversation has made me realize how much I just so don't like want to be involved in this because it seems <laughs> so, I, I know that sounds crazy, but like, it seems so unbelievably time consuming and so <laughs> challenging. There's such a barrier here. It like, doesn't have to be though. Uh, I think, you know, my recommendation would be if you, you know, just Roxy, get Roxy to play, I don't know, Overcooked with some I friends. love Overcooked. That's what I was literally thinking about during this. Yeah. PJ yeah. and Sam used to have me play, right? Where you would put yeah. food and that you would move yeah. the food. That was so fun. But I'm not going to buy anything to do that. 
Well, and of course, and of, but of course, there's no obligation for Roxy to get in video games. But no, for the fun no. of the episode, how do we introduce her? How do if for just for the fun of the episode? How do we? What is the gateway drug? Because I've no, I, yeah. I feel like Roxy's in a similar position to other people I've known, where you know maybe you played Legends of Zelda as a kid, but then if you try to get them into Breath of the Wild, it's like Whoa. massive learning curve between yeah, the two. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. that's well, like the consoles are so effing expensive, and nobody ever explains like how to use the controllers and stuff, and you, you can't play like with people more than like if you're at a party, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't just pick it up and be like, oh, let me try this because everybody already knows so much. Right. I find it to be the hardest community to become a part of. Like if you are, I'm a, a movie TV girl. Right. All I do is sit down and watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know how to do the gaming. So I'm mostly a single player story game kind of gal um i'm i'm very much like dj that it's like i play games to experience a narrative Mm -hmm. uh and a world that is not my own so yeah i mean i think that it's like if if and also i was somebody that like as a kid even though i mostly played you know fighting games i had all the story beats of those fighting games from the gaming manuals that they came with memorized that's Um, the crazy thing with fighting games is they're probably the games that need story the least and yet the narratives yet, are yeah. they are wild <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. uh absolutely the amount i knew about like tekken's lore mm-hmm. by tekken 3 yeah it's like oh man they did a big time jump between tekken 2 and tekken 3 and that was mind-blowing to me yeah um, yeah it's it's insane like yeah when you get you're talking about mortal Kombat when you get in and we're like reboot three or four or whatever yeah anyway. totally wild um yeah, so I think that's the thing is like I'm not a competitive gamer. Like I I don't enjoy competitive gaming. Uh I like cooperative gaming and I like playing by myself uh and experiencing my little stories uh, or not so little as the case may be. <laughs> and I think the other thing is too for people that might want to get into it. I think I I do think now is the perfect time because yes. especially with, you know, you talk about Steam and other opportunities for indie games, yeah. what constitutes a game is broader it than is. ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Sam is, is was showing me a bunch of these these indie indie games that it's just like the it just gameplay mechanic. It's really like we came up with a gameplay mechanic nobody's ever done before. Mm-hmm. That's what it is, and that's yep. that's all it is. And, and that's I know the for, game. Yeah. Uh, for me, um, and this is, this is like other games, but it was kind of my first exposure to this type of thing. Uh, I know Disco Elysium was like, oh my fucking god. Oh yeah. Like oh my god. Um, um, so. I, you know, there, there, and I wish I was, I, I was more like I could give Roxy, like, do this thing. I know, but it's such a personal yeah. thing. Cause you're going to have to go on your own journey. It's, yeah. It's the same. Solitaire. I it's, love it. Solitary yeah. broke. Why fix yeah. it? Why yeah. fix it? Uh, no, I mean, it's the, well, maybe we need to get Roxy a deck builder. Maybe, maybe Roxy mm-hmm. loves Slay the Spire or something. Um, there we go. Wordle a game? Well, I would consider Wordle a game. Yeah. I like that one too. Yeah. Um, have you tried Connections? It's my new favorite New York Times game. Uh, oh, really? It's real fun. <laughs> oh, okay. Connections. See, there you yeah. go. Look it up. And Think maybe last. then we'll Think be able to get Roxy into. And on my phone. Yes. Mm-hmm. Free and on your phone. And maybe we can get Roxy into a Tetris and then it'll all be down. Oh, there you go. There downhill you go. from there. Tetris. So risky for me, but I think Tetris. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> uh, so before we go, last question, Leonard Kim, what do you consider to be the essential elements of an optimal video game experiment, experience, environment, gear, specs, etc.? Mm, I need a immersive narrative, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, I also mm-hmm. need your gameplay to be compelling and to work. Yeah. Um, I find that sometimes I do I do need adaptation and innovation. Uh, so just don't give me the same thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in the case of like your heavily menu-based JRPGs, you know, I look at something like a Persona 5 and they did such a good job making the menus more fun and interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I personally love it uh, when there is a bit of a social simulation mechanic, uh, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Uh, romance options, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which Mass Effect handles uh, incredibly well. Yep. Um, uh, as well as, you know, Persona titles and Fire Emblem. Um, mm-hmm. And I love, yeah, I just like, 
I want a story in a world I can get lost in. I agree with all of that. And I think maybe similar to Emma, I've gotten out of multiplayer because I just don't have the time to no, have my ass handed to me by 13 year olds. I just can't, yeah, 100%, I don't yeah. have the time a 13 year old has to put into this thing. So nope. just leave me alone. <laughs> yep. Yep. So before we go, Emma, where can the people find you and what should they be checking out from you? Yeah. So I'm at Emma Fife still everywhere, all over the internet. Um, if you find an Emma Fife at Emma Fife is probably me. Uh, mm-hmm. and then, uh, I, you know, check out all the stuff that we're doing over on, uh, GameSpot on the YouTube channel. We've launched a whole bunch of, uh, new shows recently. We're kind of experimenting with more premium content. Uh, not that you have to pay for premium content, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like features yeah. rather than just like news yeah. uh and guides um and yes yeah, so i uh have a I'll, i have a new uh series that's gonna be starting up sometime next month so oh, yeah. just keep an eye out for that it's gonna be follow on the socials to find out yeah. roxy what should people be looking out from you when are you starting your twitch channel uh, yeah, immediately. <laughs> Roxy's I'm, solitaire Twitch channel. Yeah. yeah, on my Twitch, I'm gonna play Dragons of the Wild for <laughs> and I slay at it. Um, yeah. No, just everywhere at Roxy's Dragon. And regardless, though, I, it's really interesting to learn about. I'm so excited that, I, like, I just want to be more well versed in it so that I understand what people are talking about because it is so prevalent. Like mm-hmm. everyone's talking about gaming, so I get excited about conversations like this because I. I took a couple notes on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. That's great. You can follow me at DJ Talks Trash everywhere that matters, but you can follow this show at Only Stupid Answers, but on X. You ain't got the bells from stupid. And we will see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.